Welcome to the Get Your Donut Podcast. We're here to exchange our consumeristic Christianity for a life fully surrendered to Christ, and to never let our faith be as simple as grabbing coffee and a donut in the lobby. Let's do this. Welcome, everybody. You are listening to the Get Your Donut Podcast. I'm your host, Noah Reed, and I'm excited today to have a conversation with a good friend of mine, actually my youth pastor, Dave Pennington. Dave, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Oh, thanks for having me, Noah. Oh yeah, blessing, blessing to have you on, uh, Dave. We're gonna we're gonna jump in here in a minute, but before we do, we we just want to spend a couple minutes getting to know you, uh, learn a little bit about who you are, so our, our audience can can know where you're coming from. But first, uh, you know, the show is called Get Your Donut. We try to ask everybody who comes on the show, what is your favorite kind of donut and why? That is a good question. Um, I would say that my the donut that I get most often is okay. <laughs> a, the donut I get most often is a ma- just a maple bar because maple Thank bars you. are amazing. Thank um, you. And uh, not a cream-filled maple bar. That yep. wouldn't be as good as just a normal maple bar. But my favorite donut is actually from Krispy Kreme. Okay. But, um, I don't get to get Krispy Kreme that often. Yeah. <laughs> I doesn't really like whenever because I can put down at least twelve. Yeah, I was gonna say when they're especially when they're warm. They're warm. You got a hot and ready sign on the outside. You know it's yep. time to pop in. If that sign's not lit up, it's not worth driving through, <laughs> in my opinion. But yeah, when they're warm, you can. I mean, you can probably fit three or four in your mouth at a time because they just condense. I, yeah, my mouth is big. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, and also I appreciate the maple bar answer. We've had a few guests on who. Uh, one in particular, Marcus, I'm never going to let this go, Marcus. Marcus trashed me for enjoying maple bars. He said that that's just too basic. No. And I told him, I feel like you define a donut shop by whether or not they have good maple. It needs to actually, a good donut shop needs to be basic. When you get too creative, it's never, oh, it's never that good. However, good. I will say that there was one place that I went to in San Luis, um, that was one of those specialty donut places and yep. maple bars with little pieces of bacon on top. Okay. And yeah. I have to say it was pretty good. Was it? I've never, I've never tried one for me putting meat on a donut just didn't seem like the right decision, but well, you know, you like meat and you like donuts. <laughs> so like, <laughs> you combine them together. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, all right. Well, on, on a more serious note, why don't, why don't you tell us a little bit just about yourself? Give us your name again. Uh, tell us a little bit about your family, where you live, what you do. Yeah. My name is David Pennington and I live in uh, Carpinteria, California, where you grew up. And um, I am married. Uh, I have a wife named Catherine. People call her Cat, not with a C, but with a K. Good clarification. And, um, just clarification there. Yeah. Uh, we got married a month after we graduated from college. I went to Westmont College um, in Santa Barbara. And um, so graduated in May, got married in June, and we've been married for what will be nine years. In wow. June. And we have four boys, Hudson, who's six, but turns seven tomorrow. Okay. And Judah, who is five, and uh, Theo, who is three, and our youngest, Ezra, who is, uh, he's one, but he'll be two in, in April. So yeah, so live in, uh, live in Carpinteria. I'm an associate pastor at a church called Family Baptist Church um, in Carpinteria, and we've been serving there for about seven years. 
And that's awesome. Yeah, I, I have uh, loved just getting to watch your family grow. I remember when Hudson was born, like coming to your guys' house and holding him as a baby. And now he's turning seven. That's just, that's wild to me. Um, Crazy. Tell it, tell us a little bit. You've, you've been at family Baptist for, for seven years. Um, and this, this can go beyond even that history, but what kind of ministries or, or have you served in? Do you serve in, uh, I guess like in, in your, in the broad scheme of your life, what are, what are you most used to serving in? Where, where's your experience been? Um, yeah, when I was in, when I was in college, um, I was at an, another little church in Carpinteria and, uh, the pastor there who was your dad at that time, um, then, um, kind of saw a gifting in me to work with youth. And so that's kind of how I got started with working in youth ministry when, uh, that church started the youth ministry over there. Um, now I am, I I guess what you would say is I oversee youth and ch- children at our church. And so um, our church has an outreach of a preschool program that's an outreach to the community. So I oversee the preschool program and um, I also uh, yeah, do youth and children. And then I um, am I preach usually about once or twice a month. So, and just being involved mostly in smaller churches, really only two churches that I've been involved in for longer periods of time, you kind of serve in a variety of different, it's not just necessarily one, one little uh, uh, thing, but it kind of, you know, you do whatever's needed at the time. So, yeah. Yeah. Especially, especially a church with family in its name. I feel like you end up serving in a whole bunch of roles. Yeah. Let's make the joke like on the job description, they put that line like and other duties as assigned by pastor (laughs) and (laughs) smaller churches. They make sure to have that on there because it's like you could be doing literally anything and they need to make sure they were covered on the front end. That is true. That is Uh, true. I like that line. I've written that line in before. Yeah. That's yeah. An important line. I yeah, and uh, as we were interviewing for the church right now, I asked him I was like, "What is what do you mean by other duties assigned as pastor?" And it's a smaller church too, and they were like, "Well, it could really be anything." And I said, "Okay, at least you're honest with me." <laughs> it means what it says. Yeah, it means exactly what it says. Oh, cool. Well, well give us a little bit uh, a little bit more background on on you, uh more on on your journey of of like education, I guess, or I'd say your 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 spiritual formation maybe, but then also your your theological and biblical uh ministry education and growth. What what does that look like for you? Yeah. Um well, I I professed faith when I was uh, when I was ten um, at a church in uh, Bakersfield, which is where I grew up. And um, but my personal relationship with the Lord, I wouldn't say really uh, started until the later years of high school. And um, from there, it's just been slow growth ever since. And um, I am, as far as the uh, educational background, um, I just, it was probably about five years ago now, I have been um, attending the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, which is, um, it's a fully online program, Southern Baptist Theological Seminaries in Louisville, Kentucky. And um, when I got to our church here, Family Baptist Church, um, after about uh, a year or so, I had some opportunities to preach and they encouraged me to um, kind of pursue some more theological education Yeah, make sure I'm not not preaching heresy, which is somewhat important. Um, (laughs) And um, 
so that's been good. And I've been, I've been doing that for about five years. Yeah. And, um, I, if my calculations are right, <laughs> everything goes as, uh, as planned, Lord willing, I will be finishing probably by the end of next summer or early fall. So, nice. um, yeah, that's great. Yeah. But a lot of my, a lot of my education, I guess I've kind of just, I've been, I've been formed by the local church. The seminary has been great and I've learned so many things. Um, but it was through pastors, um, who kind of took me under the wing and began to show me what, um, serving Christ in the local church looks like. It's in the local church where, God gave me a love for scripture. Um, and I saw the necessity and the privilege of being in God's yeah. word regularly and learning all about, you know, joy of spiritual disciplines and, and what sacrificial love looks like in the context of being with people who, uh, yeah. may not necessarily be like you, but through God's spirit, um, he enables us to be able to love and serve one another. And so, Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, no, that's good. Thank, thank you for sharing that. And um, I think, I think it's awesome that uh, your your church like gave you those opportunities to to preach and kind of begin. And then again, like it seems like a, another theme of some they saw a gifting in you and they decided to to pour into that, encourage you, uh, and and kind of take you under their wing. I think that that that's really cool. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was like, even when I came in, and I think sometimes this is the way that that it works. When I came in uh, to this church. Um, and I just came on, um, on staff, they had asked me if I wanted to preach and I said, no, Yeah, <laughs> because I, I had preached before and, um, you know, it's, it's really, you know, it can be really intimidating obviously. And, yeah. and the more, the more you learn about scripture, the more, you know, it's just a weighty task. It's a, it's a, it's an amazing, it's a glorious task, but it's a weighty task. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. No. And then, yeah. And then it works out. The Lord makes you do something you didn't want to do. Yep. And then somebody else pours into you and all of a sudden you're, you're preaching more and you're like, I thought I wasn't, thought I wasn't. Wait a second. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think we're about ready to jump in, uh, to our, our topic for today. Um, but before we do last question for you, I'm asking everybody, if you could recommend one book for our listeners, uh, for faith development, faith encouragement, besides the Bible, uh, what would it be? Um, Okay, there's a book that our that we got. Our pastor and I went to Alistair Beggs. He has a pastors' conference each year called the Basics Conference. And yeah. last year there was uh, another pastor there named Tony Merida. I think it's that's the, I think that's how you say it, Merida. And he has a book that is called Love Your Church. Hmm. And we have loved this book because it is I don't know it's written in a culture that is increasingly thinking that um, having a relationship with Jesus can take place apart from being a member in his body, which is, yeah. you know, a really interesting concept. Um, and he goes through the book and the first chapter that he talks about is he talks about the responsibilities and privileges of the local church. But yeah. a lot of times we divide those things. We've got the responsibilities, which we think of are more so of the things that just need to be done. And then you've got the privileges, yeah. but he kind of reorients it. And he talks about the, the responsibilities being privileges. And then oh, he goes through the rest of the book yeah. um, chapter on one of those privileges of being part of the local church. And that, yeah. that book has been, has been really good for us and has really encouraged our church too. Mm -hmm. 
Wow. Yeah, that sound, sounds really good. I, I love asking this question because I've heard a bunch of books that I've never heard of or never read. And so my book grit list just gets to grow. And the, yeah. this one just sounds awesome. I love that idea of looking at the responsibilities uh, as privileges. <clears throat> um, well, today, I mean, this is, this is fitting, man, because today we're talking about the local church. We're talking about our involvement in local church. We'll, we'll bounce around a bit from serving and evangelism and, and lots of things in between, but really we want to dig a little bit deeper on what it means for us to be a part of the local body. And I think I'd, I'd say this, and I think Dave, you would agree, uh, the New Testament, the, the Bible, it really, it doesn't leave room for an unchurched Christian. Like there's, there's not a category for in the, in scripture for, for a Christian who follows Jesus on their own and isn't a part of or accountable to or, or cared for by a local gathering of believers. And I would say, I think, I think that's kind of what we mean by a local church. Would you agree with that, Dave? Yeah, I, I, something has always stuck out to me. I don't know where I heard this, but it's been the kind of a phrase that has stuck out to me is that God does not save us into isolation. He saves us into a family. Mm -hmm. And that, um, you know, I think that's really important because like we were, I mentioned just a little bit earlier, I, I do think that in our culture, you know, the devalue, devaluing of the local church um, and just not seeing the the point of it. And um, so I just think that's such a big thing in our day and age. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And and when we talk to involvement in local church and finding our place in the local church, I think what we're, what we're getting at too is the importance of of all of us participating like in the work of ministry together as the body of Christ. And so I don't, I don't necessarily mean I, I'm picking on, we've got, uh, it's around Christmas time up here and we've got a couple like majorly large churches up here and, and they're, they're doing these just huge Christmas festivals, blow ups, things that I think are awesome. But, but when we talk local church, like, well, I think we, we mean more than like, I went to the light show at the mega church down the street. Like we, we, we're talking about more than that. We're talking about being involved in the, in the local body, really, really from the, the perspective of, of we're, we're all in this together. I like how you say God saves us into, into a family and really that, that plays out. And we'll, we'll talk about a couple different things, but I, I want to talk about uh, first, the idea of of serving in church or serving at church or serving uh, the church, and so I thought, Dave, might, maybe you can just help us out. Let's let's start there. Help us clarify a little bit what it means to serve in church or at church, um, and and maybe give us a little bit where where we might see this in scripture. Hmm. Well, uh, in scripture, I think that when we see that someone has been born again, um, scripture says that they're given spiritual gifts that are intended to be exercised in the local church, in the local family of Christ, and they're used in order to build up the body of Christ. Yeah. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, Paul says, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. So, and I love that verse because yeah. the, what is the purpose of why each is given a manifestation of the spirit? It's, it's for the common good. So it means that none of our spiritual gifts that God gives us are actually about us. They're about the benefit of our other brothers and sisters in the local church to be able to build them up. Yeah. And, um, uh, the other place I would look to is Ephesians four and in Ephesians four, you know, you've got all of the first three chapters of Ephesians are like the theological chapters of, of Ephesians. And then the last or the next three chapters is so it's broken up into almost two halves. First three is theological. The second three are yeah. kind of the outworkings of that theology. 
And the first thing that Paul begins to talk about is the local church. And what he says is that he tells us, Paul tells us that, that, that pastors and teachers are given to the local church in order to equip the saints in order, the saints, just meaning they're all believers, yeah. the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So that means that pastors and teachers main job is actually to equip believers to carry out the work of the ministry. And then a few verses later in verses 15 and 16, he says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, Mm -hmm. making the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So I just love the picture there. It's such a practical picture. It's a picture where every member is a vital part of building up the local church. And in order for it to be working properly, everybody has to be doing their part. Yeah. Right. Everybody has a role to play. I think of, you know, sports analogies, like no, no one's sitting on the sidelines in church, or at least I should say in, in God's design for church, it it takes all of us to do this. I think that the reality is that God's designed the church to, to be for all believers, not just like your pastors or the paid staff at your church Mm -hmm. are doing those things. We've all been given gifts. I, I love that. Uh, verse in in Corinthians, right for the for the common good, like we've been given gifts that we're called to use for the benefit of the church and for the building up of the body. And I might even go so far as to say, like your your local church, that the church that you attend on Sunday, not the not the one you watch on YouTube throughout the week, or the or the pastor we the the celebrity pastor we like, like the the local church that we're attending deserves our giftings. Because God's God's given them to us in part so that we would use them to build up the body of Christ with our gifts. And so for us to have giftings and then to not use them for the body of Christ or to not use them for our church is is uh like holding out almost on on the on the the family that we've been saved into. Uh, yeah. and and even the main reason of why God's uh, given us those gifts, right? I yeah. think uh something we talk a lot on this podcast about is, is we don't want to show up to church and ask like, how can church benefit me? And how does this place fit my needs? But, but we want to show up and, and ask like, how, what can I bring to the table and what has God equipped me to bring to the table? Or I think of those verses where Jesus says it's, it's far more blessed to give than it is to receive. Are we talking about himself, right? The the son of man came to serve and to not be served, but how many of Mm -hmm. us walk into church and, and we all do this. I've done this so many times where I walk into church expecting to be served. And I don't, I don't want to serve. Like I want to show up at church and, and I want to be taken care of and I want uh, it to be comfortable for me and I want it to fit my needs. But I think what we see in scripture is, is even as you've been pointing out is that every part of the body is, should be joined together, held together, working properly together so that the whole body grows, right? If we're holding out we're we're, we're inhibiting our own growth, but we're inhibiting the growth of other people too. Um, So let's, let's, let's keep going, uh, with, with this idea of serving in or at church, um, talk a little bit about like the purpose of, of why, why do we do this? What's the, what's the outcome? What's the benefit? Like what, what is the purpose of serving at church? Um, Yeah. Um, well, I would say that ultimately the purpose of serving in the church is for God's glory. Um, and what I mean by that is that, um, we put God on display to the world 
when we serve one another and are loving one another sacrificially. So the, the aim of the serving at the church, the aim at serving one another is ultimately about God. So God saves us for himself. He saves us for his own glory. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's John, John Piper uh, in his book, Providence, um, a big old book that he wrote, he mentions, he gives that definition. And I've kind of latched onto that definition as really helpful that, cause we use that word too. Like, you know, what does it mean to glorify God or what is the glory of God? Yeah. And what he says yeah. is that the glory of God is the panorama of his perfections. And I love that. Oh, wow. Like, you know, one of those, one of those panorama pictures, it's when he puts himself on display, he puts yeah. his perfections, his attributes on display. And so I think that when we serve one another, we are, we are showing something both to one another and to the world about God. We're putting him on display. And um, yeah. there's a, there's a, a passage in first John chapter three in verse 12 um, that kind of owns in on this a little bit. It says, no one has ever seen God, which is true, right? God is, God is invisible until he took on human flesh and became visible. But he says, no one has ever seen God. But then he says, if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. And I think what John is trying to get at there, if I'm understanding that passage correctly, is that when the local church sacrificially loves and serves one another, we make an invisible God visible. Wow. And so the connection there, you know, what is the purpose of serving? Obviously it's, I think it's, it is about, um, it's about uh, making God visible. We want, we want him to be known both yeah. to um, uh, our, our brothers and sisters in the church and also to those who would look in yeah. uh, from the world and, um, uh, and they would, we would, we would make an invisible God visible, which is, is a pretty yeah. miraculous thing. Yeah, no, most definitely. I think too, that challenges again, a lot of this idea in, in our culture and contemporary church that we've gotten used to us being at the center of things. Mm -hmm. And, uh, to remember, I love that the panorama of God's perfections, like he puts himself on display and we should recognize he is what's worthy of being on display. Right. Like he is why we gather and we should gather so that we can put him on display. And then to, to look at that passage and to know that when we serve one another or we love one another sacrificially, we're making the invisible God visible. Like now that's a way in which we put God on display. So he, he puts himself on display in, uh, through creation and through the things he does in us. But then also the way that we love each other and engage in relationship with one another gives us an opportunity to put him on display as well. And right. I think that's that's huge because we we get caught up in uh in putting our putting maybe not putting ourselves on display, but but putting ourselves in the in the middle. I think Fran Francis Chan has this uh talk he does about communion and he talks about how for a while in the beginning of of church history. Uh, what was at the center of church buildings when when church buildings started becoming a thing was the Eucharist. Mm. And so the body and blood of Christ was like on the center of the stage always. And then somewhere along, I think he says 1500 AD or something like that, some pastor gets the idea to move the Eucharist to the side so that he can talk from the middle of the stage. Mm. And then we end up now hundreds of years later and the pastor's always in the middle of the stage. And, and he makes the point like, maybe we've pushed Jesus too far to the mm -hmm. side of our churches. And I think he's using that as an illustration, obviously, but I'm reminded of that when, 
when we uh, maybe don't engage in, in serving or sacrificially uh, loving one another because it's uncomfortable for us, mm-hmm. instead of recognizing it as, oh, this is an opportunity to be a part of something that's bigger than me, to not only right. to build up the body, but also this is an opportunity for me to put God on display, for mm-hmm. me to make the invisible God visible uh, to other people. I think that's really good. And I, I like what you, you know, when you point out there, you've got the general revelation of God in that he puts himself on display through creation and the things that he's made. Yeah. yeah. Romans one. But then you've got the special revelation of God when he has made himself known through um, his eternal son. Yep. And, but the only way that now our world can see Christ is through the church. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's almost like a third element there. He puts himself on display through, um, through, uh, his, his children. Yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's a really, a really great thing. The last thing that I would say about, um, serving in the church is that, um, sacrificial service. We talk about what does it mean to worship God? Sacrificial service is our worship. And mm-hmm. where I'm getting that is from Romans chapter one, or I'm sorry, Romans chapter 12. Um, our church just recently preached through this when Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, yeah. holy and acceptable to God. And then he says, which is your spiritual worship? Oh. And then in verses three through eight, he immediately goes into defining that sacrificial living by uh, imploring believers to use their individual gifts. And and that was revolutionary for me because you know, when we think of, and you hear that a lot, like we, you know, this is, oh, this is how I worship God, or this is, this is where I feel most connected to God or something like that. Often today, what comes to mind has to do with maybe worship songs or something like that, yep. you know? So, so much of worship is you, sometimes we, we might even divide. We think of like, okay, well, you've got the worship part of your services, you know, which is usually like the first half when you're, when we're singing yeah. and things like that. And then we get into the sermon and all of that, but really all of it's worship. But what's interesting and what has been revolutionary to me is that according to Paul, our sacrificial service is our worship of God. And so we imitate Christ who gave his body as a living sacrifice for us when we, when we love and serve one another. Yeah. Oh, that's, and that's so good because it's so important to remember that worship is so much bigger than singing. Like singing is a huge part of worship. Yeah. But uh, but worship. I mean, I've heard it explained too. Worship is like what we give our attention to, what mm-hmm. we get, what we give our focus to, and mm-hmm. and so if we merely just think of worship as uh, singing, now like you said, like the whole. I mean, the whole Sunday morning is worship, but also right. like our whole life is worship, yep. and the whole way we orient ourselves is yep. worship. And like Paul says, like the what we do with our bodies and the way that we uh, sacrifice ourselves and serve other people, like. That's yeah, that's totally a way in which in which we worship God and engage in that. And I think too that uh, the this 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 idea of uh, glorifying God, putting the visible, uh, making the invisible God visible, like I think that that engaging in service in that way fulfills God's design for the church that that if we recognize that the church isn't in in its fullest or I would say uh, original intent, it, it's not a vehicle for our own fulfillment. It's a it's a vehicle for for God's glory and and for people to be to be reached who who don't know Jesus and so when we approach church and again we asking that question like what can it bring me or how can I be served we're so much less likely 
to serve. And so now we're, we're, we're not serving, we're not using our gifts, but we're also like, we're, we're not worshiping in a, in a way that Paul says we have a unique opportunity to worship God by self-sacrificing and by serving each other. So we're not, we're not engaging in that. And then what I see too, and this is just a, a side note is that our churches, because because we're so used to, to getting something like we've turned to serving, like we have to make serving this really fun thing mm-hmm. in order for us to get there. And instead of recognizing, like we want to serve as, as worship and as uh, a self in a self-sacrificial way. Like I do this all the time with, with high school kids and, and because it works, but it's like, I buy food. Like if you're going to come and serve and, and I'm not saying this is necessarily wrong, but I have to make it like a fun event mm-hmm. for us now to like, Hey, we're going to go and we're going to pass out food to the homeless and don't worry afterwards, like, we'll all come back to the church and play games and I'll buy pizza for you all. Uh, and it'll be fun instead of, instead of being used to a culture that, that says, no, the, the life of a Christian is, is, is radical. Like it's so countercultural to say, this is, I'm going to, I'm going to put God on display by self-sacrificing myself and engaging, uh, in, in service that way. I think, I think that that's huge. And I think that's really important for us to, just to recognize that as worship, I think that's a a big mind shift for for a lot of us. Um, so, yeah, so I would uh, even add, if I could, yeah, I would do it. There, um, you know, I think too we could we can we can um, almost divide those two things up, and I think this is what we were talking about with the Tony Merida book, privileges and responsibilities, and like we talked about, you know, it's you know you just mentioned fulfillment that it's not about our fulfillment or, or things like that. Yeah. At the same time, the way that God has designed us and for his children serving in the local church is that that is when we, when we pursue him in the way that he has commanded us to live with one another, that will be our fulfillment. Yes. It will be our joy. It will be, um, you're right. It's not about us. It's just the focus of how that fulfillment comes. Isn't, doesn't come from looking inward and, yeah. from, you know, trying to care for my needs. Really fulfillment is going to come from looking outward and yeah. serving my brothers and sisters. Yeah. That's, that's a good catch too. Cause that's definitely what I, what I meant is not, yeah. not that church won't ever make you feel fulfilled. It's not, that's obviously not what I meant, yeah, but yeah, it's, it's good that when, like I think of Jesus, when he says like, whoever, uh, uh, finds his life or, or treasures his own life, like we'll lose it. But he who uh, loses his life for my sake, will find it. And that idea too, that God knows what's best for us. And so when we're, I say, when I say like, we're seeking after our own fulfillment, I mean, outside of what God is like, right. Trying to provide for ourselves that fulfillment instead of trusting that God's going to provide that fulfillment for us. I think uh, that's, that's a huge point. Um, Well, well, Hey, let's, let's talk for a second about like practically, uh, maybe there's some of us listening or uh, who who are wondering like, well, how do I even get started serving in my church and, and uh, what, you know, what might be a good way to go about that? Or I'm not sure, you know, if, if there's a way to be involved, like what, how, what would you say to somebody who's maybe hearing this and they're saying, yeah, maybe I should get involved. How, how can we get started? Yeah, I would, uh, I just try to make it really simple. Like yeah. thinking of the first thing I think of is where's a need? where, you know, what, yeah. what, are their, what are the needs in the church? Because, you know, if the church is a family, so we're like a local family in Christ, then, you know, how do things work in our family? Well, if there's something that needs to be done 
then yeah. you, you know, you, 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 <laughs> right. see the, you see the meat and meet it. You don't, you know, sometimes I think that we, you, you could, we almost make this idea of spiritual gifts really mysterious, yeah. and, but we also, <laughs> you know, we'll play them up to where, you know, you've got, and I'm not saying that these are wrong, but you've got like your spiritual gifts tests and stuff like that. And all of those, you know, things that people use to find yeah, out their yeah. spiritual gifting, which again, nothing that I'm saying that's wrong with that. But sometimes what those can turn into, I think is like, well, I'm gifted in this area. So it's the only area that I'll yeah. serve. <laughs> yeah. And um, that's just, an, I mean, that's just an interesting well, way to look at it. I guess and, you can. Well, and I think too, like you use the family analogy and I was picturing this while, <laughs> while you're talking, but it's like, if I'm at home, right. And like the trash fills up, yeah. I don't like write on the bulletin board, like take trash out, need one volunteer, and then just like wait around for somebody to do it and say, well, I'm organizationally gifted. Yeah. Like, I'm not, I'm not a physical laborer, but man, can I organize? So like any of you kids want to take the trash out? Like yeah. obviously when the trash fills up in my house, I just take it out because yeah. I saw right. a need, it needed to be done. And I, I didn't want to make my wife take it out. So I, yes. I just took it out. And so I, yeah, I think that's huge. Where, where is their need and, and can you fill it? I, I wrote this too, as I was prepping, like just ask someone at your church what there's yeah. a need for. And I think like both as being on staff at church, like I would laugh like as I wrote this because I'm like, there's always needs. Like I'm sure if you ask, if you ask somebody who works at your church, like, do you guys need, is there anything that's needed in the church right now? Yeah. I There's probably a list of like a hundred things just sitting yeah. there that they're like, this would be awesome if somebody else could do this. Yeah. And I'm just waiting. Is there willing hands to, to take some of this on? Yeah. I think that, I think that's good. Yeah. You um, know, and I think that like, you know, one of the things, one of the things that uh, a pastor had told me in the past too, is that this is a good way to begin, you know, from a church perspective and the church leader perspective of being able to discern the giftings of other people is by seeing the people that are willing to do the menial stuff that are just serving out of the, you know, the kindness and the, the um, kind of overflow of their relationship with Christ, that they're willing to do anything, whether that yeah. means printing bulletins or that means taking out trash after a service. And, yeah. um, and, and really, you know, when I think of my own, when I think of my own um, relationship with the Lord and my, you know, relationship with a local church in terms of, you know, developing spiritual giftings and things like that is that I've discerned spiritual gifting by getting involved. It's kind of like you yeah. do it by just trying out things. Yeah. When you try out things, then you're going to start to see things that you, you know, that you like to do, but maybe just um, maybe the things that you are, you know, are, are being a blessing to other people in where you're being effective, um, in your gifting and things like that. There's, um, there's a, uh, our pastor, um, always says, uh, you know, how do you, that's that big question. How do you discern the will of God? Or, you know, some of that has to do with trying to discern your spiritual giftings. What right. he always says is, you know, start with your desire. What is it that you like to do? I mean, yeah. maybe you like to spend time with children in the nursery or something like that. And that's great. Right. And then, you know, then second, does, what does the word of God say about that? And how can you kind of improve in the things that you're doing? But then lastly is from feedback from other brothers and sisters, are people, are people edified by my serving in that way? Yeah. You know, someone may have a desire to preach, but if nobody's right. edified, then you might not have that gifting, which is okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like a process of trial and error, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's good too. And I think I'll throw this in there too. Like, I think what stops us sometimes is, is like the, uh, 
the awkwardness of like not knowing the proper steps to get involved. And so we'll just let ourselves not get involved because I didn't want to ask somebody like, who do I text to sign up for this thing? Or how do I do that? And I would say like, man, it, it just, just do it. Like just step in and, and get past that awkwardness because again, we're, we're called to serve. But I think also two, two big ones is, is like, maybe we're, we're overwhelmed about the idea of like, oh my gosh, like maybe I'm not qualified or I don't have the time or I'm too busy for this. Mm-hmm. Um, and while I think those can be, uh, legitimate, uh, I, I think I would, I would, uh, kind of caveat that with, with the idea that if we're, if we're too busy to be an active part of our local body, if we're too busy to, to step in and serve in these various ways, and I'm not saying you have to give every hour of your waking day to serving in your local church, but if we're, if we're too busy to find a, a place in which we can use our gifts for the building up of the body of Christ, um, I, I would say maybe we're not just too busy. Maybe our priorities are misaligned. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would throw that out as a challenge too. If you're hearing this and saying, well, I just don't have the time to be involved in my local church. And I, I think there's some life seasons that, that I would say, yeah, there's, it's, you know, maybe you have a newborn or that you're going through something else where, where you're like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sleeping at all. And, and to get up early in the morning or whatever it might be. I think overall, as we find rhythms of life, uh, if, if your life rhythm is set up in a way where you don't have any extra time to give to your local body and you're not serving, I would say that's, that's a priority shift. And so if, if we're too busy to, to find time in our, in our life or our weekly rhythm or monthly rhythm or whatever it is to, to find time to be serving in church, then again, I, I guess I would say maybe we're not just too busy. Maybe we, we have more of a priority uh, issue in recognizing that, that serving and loving sacrificially is one of those ways uh, in which we worship God. And again, make, make the invisible God visible, I think is, is what I would add. And then, and then lastly, too, to echo what Dave said in the, in kind of the beginning of these practical steps is, is keep it simple. Like I think we, we, I do this all the time with, with my own quiet time where I'm like, I want to spend quiet time with Jesus. And so, okay, I guess I got to block out an hour from five to 6 AM and the, the weather's got to be perfect. And I like create this perfect scenario in my mind where I'm like, if that happens, I'll grow so much closer to Jesus. And then when that, when my perfect window is messed up, I still have like 47 minutes, but I'm like, oh, it wasn't an hour. I guess I'll just start tomorrow. Yeah. And and then what happens is I just put off my quiet time because I'm waiting for this perfect moment. But we do the same thing with serving, I think, where we're like, oh, I want this like grand, like serving experience where it's so self-sacrificial and it's so loving to others in it. And I, whatever, I, I don't bring my kids with me because I want it to just be this perfect thing. And I guess what I would say is like, just start now and do something simple. Like your 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 one of your kids can stand with you at the door while you greet people as they come in, or uh, they can watch you help help you help other people find seats and service or whatever whatever it might be. Like it's better to start with something simple now than to wait for this like perfect illustrious serving opportunity that might not present itself for a year or two. Um, and, and so I say like as we feel overwhelmed about getting involved or serving, I would say it's really important to know like this can be really simple and your kids can come along. Your spouse can be there with you. Like it can be something that's almost like feels like it's just the normal flow of life and simple. And yet now I'm just going to tweak what I'm doing and, and I'm going to do it in a more self-sacrificial way, a more uh, servant hearted way or something like that. That way we're not so overwhelmed about giving all this time or effort or let's just keep it simple and, and let's get started instead of waiting for uh, this this like, epic serving moment to present itself. I feel like those come few and far between, but 
Um, we're we're, we're going to wrap up our, our conversation today on serving and being involved in the local body. Dave, we'll probably have you come on again, uh, maybe even as a part two to this, to talk more about evangelism, making disciples, and, and kind of how that plays into this whole conversation as well. Uh, but, but as we close for today, Dave, you have any closing thoughts? Yeah, I mean, just almost to kind of, you know, piggyback off what you're saying. I think when we think like that, when we think of, I'm going to wait for this, you know, big opportunity or this, it has really just then again, just become about ourselves. And that is, you know, it's the opposite of, of, you know, the DNA of what service is all about. And, um, you know, it's counting, what is it? Philippians two, counting other people as more significant than yourself. So good. You know, we need, we need Christ and in our abiding relationship with Christ to be able to do that. We need his mind. We need his, um, you know, his sacrificial love that is placed in us and is carried or is carried through us through the Holy spirit in order to make that happen. But the last thing I was going to just say is just kind of, you know, on this idea of putting God on display and the purpose of it and the purpose of our love and even our unity, you know, with one another in the local church. Um, I'm thinking of John chapter 17 in verses 20 through 23, when Jesus is praying on the night before he was crucified and, um, what he prays shows that our sacrificial service and our love towards one another that's going to be embodied in our unity is ultimately outreach focused. So in some ways, you know, you're talking about coming back on the show for evangelism and things like that. Actually, this is a great way of evangelism because Mm -hmm. what Jesus prays, he says um, in uh, John 17, uh, 20 verses 23, um, Actually, let me just let me just open it for us. Yeah, really do quick, it if that's do okay. It. That's great. Um, he says, and he prays. Uh, he says, "The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one." Speaking of his disciples and the future disciples that will come through his immediate twelve disciples here, that they may be one, even as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may be perfectly one. Now, why? Why would he pray that? He says, so that the world may know that you sent me Mm. and loved them even as you loved me. So in our relationships with one another, ultimately, that's evangelism. It will be evangelism because the purpose why he's praying for that unity is so that the world would know that the father truly sent the son. So it's a beautiful thing. Um, our service is also tied into our evangelism together. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really good. Thank you for that insight, Dave. And thank you so much for coming on the show, man. We really appreciated having you. Thank you, Noah. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Get Your Donut Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And if you liked what you heard, rate the show and leave us a review. That helps other people find us and it lets us know how you feel about it. I hope you have an awesome day and that you never settle for anything less than all in with Jesus. Thank you.